As the choir is being seated, I want to give a special welcome again to Miss Joan. Uh, we have seen your work in the community. We're honored to be your partner, um, not only in the mural art program at Gaudenzia, but in the future. We have so much success. So thanks for being here in our, your ministry. And um, thanks to everybody who came out yesterday for the work day. We had over 40 people here. Uh, doing a lot of good for the church for many leaders and tons of great efforts by different folks but i want to name al parker tom schoomaker howard silver and carolyn cotton there was contagious enthusiasm and fun here yesterday while we got a lot done so thanks to everybody who came out and then the last um thing I want to mention I, I have not spoken of since uh, Dick Magaziner died. Uh, I think everybody has known that a beloved pillar of the community, ex-president of the church, member of the greatest generation, World War II veteran, Dick Magaziner. We're going to celebrate his life here on Saturday, June 19th at 1.30. They don't get any better than Dick and Irene Magaziner, and, and Irene will be here, and we'll celebrate his life and all the ways he's touched us. I know that I'm not alone to, when I say that my life gets busy and hectic. And for me, there are times when I wake up and I think about everything that I have to do, and sometimes I get overwhelmed, I doubt, if I can handle some of the tasks that are in the day that's coming. And I know as my fear sometimes grows more than I would like, that I could use a little more courage to face the day that lies ahead. You may have similar experiences or feelings yourself once in a while. Many of us have had periods of our life where we've had to find a little more courage in order to get close to other people. It takes courage to put down our shield and become intimate with others. Many of us have had times when we realize that we need courage to find a way to forgive somebody who's really done us wrong. It takes courage to put down the shield and, say, and really forgive someone because we're afraid more wrong is going to come our way. Fortunately, we're not alone in our struggles, and we can look to sacred stories and those who have gone before us living their lives with courage. Daniel was so committed to living a prayerful life that he was undeterred by the threat of man-eating lions. Let me tell you about some Unitarian Universalist ministers and their congregations who have acted with the courage of Daniel. During my sabbatical, I met the Reverend Lisa Schwartz, who serves the UU Church of Topeka, Kansas. In Kansas, as in many states, the majority of religious organizations are opposed to abortion rights, opposed to Roe v. Wade, opposed to many women's reproductive rights. And in Kansas, there are many active religious groups who protest vigorously not only at health clinics, 
which provide abortions, but also go to organizations like Unitarian Universalist churches, which are often have at least a strong group within them who are advocating for reproductive rights. In Kansas, one of the more public groups involves the Reverend Fred Phelps. You may have heard of him. Reverend Phelps's church puts out messages of hatred and intimidation, targeting folks in favor of reproductive freedom, as well as gays, lesbians, transgendered folks, blacks, and Jews, and the list goes on. I think they're trying to be non-discriminatory in their total condemnation. And so it's in the state of Kansas where my new friend, UU Minister Lisa Schwartz, and her colleague, who I have now met in Lawrence, Kansas, Jill Jarvis, have worked publicly for years in favor of a woman's right to choose. Lisa told me this story. One day in the office there in Topeka, the UU Church, facts rolled in. The facts was entitled, Roster of the Damned. Not the most common title for a fax to come into a church office. Lisa and the staff picked it up, and it was a list of people who have been working on abortion rights. And Lisa looked, and sure enough, there she was, Reverend Lisa Swartz, on the list of people condemned to hell. She thought about it for a little bit and decided, I'm going to put this up on my wall in my office. And in the coming, you can imagine, coming days and weeks, there was a lot of conversation from the folks who were in and out of the minister's office. What is this roster of the damned? Reverend Schwartz, people read it. And more than one person said, well, you know, I really believe in what you're working for. How can I get my name on the roster of the damned? <laughs> and so they, you know, kind of got a little kick out of this in their church. And for many of us, this story is a little funny, it is to me, but it is also scary stuff when you consider the context where this is happening. Kansas is the state where a year ago this month, Dr. George Tiller was killed for providing abortions. Dr. Tiller worked in one of the only national facilities which provides abortions for pregnancies of 21 months or more, and for his whole career where they worked, had vigorous opposition. Folks showed up every single day to protest outside of the clinic. But it was one day when Dr. Tiller was serving as an usher in his church, handing out the bulletins in the sanctuary when a gunman came up and shot him dead. So when you are on the roster of the damned, and somebody else who's on the list is killed in your state, things are getting tough. And this was shocking, but at some levels not really surprising for anyone who pays attention to the national scene because as this goes in ebbs and flows for years, but there are groups throughout the country who are willing to be violent and to kill in efforts to oppose a woman's right to choose. On the day when Dr. Tiller was murdered in Wichita, 
a physician who will remain nameless, was working at the Planned Parenthood Health Services office in Lawrence, Kansas. And she was working on that Sunday, and she thought, oh my gosh, how long would it take for them to get from Wichita to here, to, to Lawrence, and to get out the guns on our clinic? And that was a fear that was felt all around the country by people who provide those services. And this doctor and her office in Lawrence and her whole staff kept providing service to clients that entire day, and they've been doing that ever since. This is courage. That is courage, my friends. And you, you don't have to even agree with abortion rights to see that that is courageous. This is the context within which Reverend Lisa Swartz of Topeka, Reverend Jill Jarvis of Lawrence do their ministry for years with the members of their congregations, with people of various other religious groups. They have a lot of strong relationships with Jewish congregations. And with folks throughout the community, they have stayed strong working for reproductive rights in Kansas and the country. This year, on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, Reverend Jarvis led a pro-choice worship service the day before at the Capitol. She got up and preached. Folks sang, sang songs. And then many of them went into the Capitol to lobby elected officials. And when she was telling me this, I said, Jill, I have to tell you that I, I really admire the courage that you have to do this work in the context in which you're living. And she said, oh, that's interesting. I don't think of it as courage. I don't think of myself as having courage to do that. But she did say, what I can tell you is, we'll be doing this no matter what happens. We're not going to stop doing this. So no matter how tough it gets, they're going to be there, she says. I say it's courage, and I think we have a humble sister who just doesn't think of herself as courageous. This month's spiritual theme is courage. And you'll often hear me talking about how I would be happy if Unitarian Universalism had the trinity of hope, courage, and love. Hope, courage, and love are the big three for me in religion. And today we're focusing on how it's an essential part of the religious human experience to understand, cherish, and practice courage. What is it? What does it look like? Where does it come from? The etymology or history of the word courage comes from the Latin coraticum. Coraticum, which means heart. Care in French or corazón in Spanish both mean heart with the same Latin root. So bravery is what comes from your heart and gives you zeal and strength. Jungian psychiatrist Jean Shinoda Boland puts it this way. Courage is a willingness to act from the heart, to let your heart lead the way, not knowing what will be required of you next or if you can do it. Courage is the willingness to act from the heart, let your heart lead the way, not knowing what will be requi required of you next or if you can do it. 
You don't, do, you don't only engage in things you know you can get done. Sometimes you say, we're going to do it because it matters. We'll see how it goes. Reverends Lisa and Jill and people working in health clinics around the country and countless others have been committed to following their hearts and working for justice, not knowing what sacrifices it'll take, not knowing what they can accomplish, doing it because they feel it's the right thing. The great religious project of the history of humanity includes highlighting people who follow their hearts with zeal and strength while facing ostracization or danger. Let me tell you about Rachel Corey. You may know she was an American Jew who lived in solidarity with Palestinians in their homes in the Gaza Strip. Her mantra was, follow your dreams, don't give up. She was in Gaza at a time when there was a major political heightening of tensions between the Israeli government and the Palestinian Authority over a section of territory where Palestinians were living in homes and the Israelis wanted to reclaim it, to resettle it. And when the Israeli defense forces were getting ready to bulldoze certain areas of Gaza, Rachel literally stood as a human shield in front of the home of a Mr. Samir Isarallah, a pharmacist in Gaza who she had come to respect greatly. Ms. Corey ended up making the ultimate sacrifice because she was killed by the bulldozer. I think this is what Mahatma Gandhi was talking about when he said, bravery is not a quality of the body, it's a quality of the soul. He said, I've seen cowards encased in tough muscle, and I've seen courage in the frailest of bodies. Gandhi wasn't that big a guy himself, but nobody was ever more courageous. He said, humans need bravery because we should never think that life is a continual path of rose gardens with no thorns. And with higher levels of bravery, we get closer to God. He thought that was one of the key elements in how a person gets close to the divine. It was through courage. And because of that, he said, we have to practice and cultivate our bravery. In our small group ministries this month, we're trying to cultivate courage, and we can all be doing that. Here is one way. that I have, We have four questions for the month that you could reflect upon by yourself through writing or thinking. You could sit down with a person who you have mutual trust and safety with and share your ideas on this. Here's the first question. Don't, don't beat yourself up. Be kind and loving. It's great you're doing this. Can you remember a time when your courage failed you? What happened in the moment that led up to that lack of courage? Was there something in your background that made, it, made you vulnerable to not have courage then? Number two, what do you wish you would have done at that time? If you recreate the scene, what would it look like to be courageous? One of mine is 
times when I've been with neighbors who say blatant racist comments and I remain silent. Fear. And I courageous would have saying, you know, that's really unacceptable to me. It's offensive. Please do not speak like that, at least when you're around me. That's my recreation of the scene. Number three, when have you been inspired by your own courage? So come on, people, let your light shine. Don't be afraid. Talk about it. It's not bragging. It's cultivating positivity to remember those times when you really channeled some courage to do something, even when it might have cost you something, might have put you at a little bit of risk. And think about how, that, how did that happen and how can you keep recreating that. The fourth question is, whose courage has inspired you? This could be King and Gandhi and Jesus and Dalai Lama, or it could be your grandmother and your neighbor who has taught you the most about how to live a courageous life. Reverend Jill Jarvis is constantly inspired, she said, by the deep connection she has with the people of her congregation. She says she has a real sense of solidarity with people in Kansas and around the country who are working on these issues. It gives her a sense of well-being and stability. And she said, you know, I really don't think of it like courage, but if I have to say, when I'm preaching at the state capitol in Kansas where we have a climate of violence, I know that not only am I with the people who are right here at this worship service, but in spirit, I'm with so many people who are gathered here in the mystery of the hour. That's why we sang our opening hymn. This is their mantra. Gathered here in one strong body and gathered here in the struggle and the power. That's their mantra. We are together in the struggle, in the power. It gives us more courage. I think this is what Rachel Corey talked about when she said that we should be inspired by people that show that human beings can be brave and kind and generous and beautiful and strong, even in the worst of circumstances. This makes me think that I understand a little bit more now than I did previously of what Unitarian minister Ralph Waldo Emerson was saying when he talked about the oversoul, which connects each individual to a collective or human family oversoul. When I was in seminary, I used to think, I really don't get what he's talking about. Maybe he had too much time on his hands or was trying too hard to react to more conservative theologians and the liberals needed a systematic theology. So maybe drew a circle up here of the oversoul and everybody, a little dot, was connected with a line. And it's still a mystery to me. I can't go to any academic setting and make a presentation on this in a science class, but I can tell you now I believe in the core of my being that there is something real about the connection between us. It's mysterious as heck, but maybe, maybe we could call it the overheart. Or the, this is how we connect to the divine. It's how we connect to the collective human family of courage. 
So, because how am I going to get the courage in the morning when I'm overwhelmed with the day? Partly it's knowing that I'm connected to you and sisters and brothers around the world and the divine. If you need a little courage to break through your isolation or to be who you are, feel that solidarity. Tap into it. If you need a little courage, think about Rachel Corey. We are connected to that. I've been reading a book of letters written by a Chinese political prisoner named Wei Jinxing. He spoke out publicly various times against the Communist Party leaders, and then he spent over 14 years in prison because of that. No freedom of speech. Throughout his ordeal, when you read his letters, you can see he has maintained his true self as an optimistic lover of life. It just comes at you through his words. He went through illness, solitary confinement, persecution by guards. They could not break him. Never once did he cower in fear or falter in courage. Never once did he blame others or talk about all the regrets. So if you're, it, it is a human experience to go to the pity pot, feel sorry for yourself, why me? Think about, if you need some courage to get out of that, think about a 14-year political prisoner in China who didn't feel sorry for himself. There is something there which you are connected to. Anais Nin said that life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Courage helps us to expand our lives and the lives of others. In a small prison cell of solitary confinement for over 14 years, Mr. Jinxing had a more expansive life than most people can imagine. He was delightfully obligated to serve the Chinese people. And in that connection, he was buoyed. Imagine yourself with more courage and more heart and more capacity to do the right thing and bring blessings to others. Let's imagine our community, if we allowed ourselves to be led more by the heart, not knowing what would be required of us and willing to make sacrifices. Imagine our world if we more fully embraced our solidarity and power as members of the human family. Our lives can expand beyond our wildest dreams. I promise you this. Our lives can expand beyond our wildest dreams. May it be so. Blessings be. Amen.